Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, the host of this podcast. And after spending my entire career in the sports sales industry, I wanted to continue to find ways to give back to individuals that want to get into this business or individuals that are currently in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'll have the privilege to sit down with top-ranking professionals in our industry. You'll hear their career path, what they look for in successful people, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Time certainly flies. It is crazy to think it's season four of 52 Weeks of Hustle already. With season four, I'm going to have the privilege of sitting down with industry experts to discuss their career path. We're going to discuss three key topics that are current in the industry and three hustle hot seat questions. And... Three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now, on to our guests this week. It's all about the journey in this business. The journey can come in a variety of ways. I'm excited to have our next guest share his, where he has worked in senior sales roles at the league level, but also worked in litigation and general counsel being for embarking on the sports journey. Our next guest is Joey Graziano, SVP and Head of Global Events Strategy and Development at the NBA. Joey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Travis. Excited to be here. Joey, very excited to have you and talk about your career. And let's start with the massive event that you and your team have been working on for a while, and that is the NBA in-season tournament. This is the first year of the tournament, and it has certainly picked up a lot of steam and publicity. Please give the listeners just a glimpse into this tournament. Yeah, I think it's a really exciting new competitive format. To me, uh, there's there's nothing better in all of professional sports than a Game 7. Um, the opportunity, the energy, the intensity, the pressure that mounts around a game like that. And what we've done with this tournament is give you guaranteed game sevens. Um, games of consequence in the early season where our teams know each other, they're, they're connected. And now we're going to bring that energy to a global destination like Las Vegas with our own version of the Final Four. I think that's a really exciting opportunity for fans um, that we think is going to add this new layer to our season. Yeah, you, to your point, Game 7 excitement is is something like no other. And the semifinals and championship right around the corner, hosted in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Center you just mentioned. With all the excitement around the event, how long have you and your team been working on putting this together? Well, I think it's been – I mean, it's been years of people at the league level thinking about new competitive formats. And I give a lot of credit to my my colleague Evan Wash um, from the basketball strategy side who certainly has thought about different iterations of the season, new tournament formats. Um, obviously, Adam Commissioner Silver has referenced a number of times the inspiration he's taken from European soccer and the way in which they think about uh, multiple championships throughout the course of the year. And then I would say at the NBA, we've also had this this idea that we need to continue to innovate, that we can't stand still. Um, and I think the combination of those of those levers, really smart, um, thoughtful colleagues, um, innovative leadership, but then also just an ethos at the league level that where we were yesterday cannot be where we are tomorrow. Um, and that constantly pushes us to try new things, um, to not be afraid to fail. And, uh, and, and I think those efforts take a long time, but they, but they require a consistency. And so I think that's what you see at the league level is that we are consistent about our thought that tomorrow is going to look different than today. Absolutely. I think it's even two great pieces of advice for all the listeners out there. One, be willing to be innovative and and two, and probably the most important, be consistent with it to make sure you can yeah. execute at the highest level. And we'll certainly dive more into the in-season tournament, but you know, Joey is the SVP and head of global event strategy and development. This isn't the only event that you work on. You're leading the charge with all-star, all-star festivities, global games, and much more. I know the easiest answer is no day is never the same, but, but walk the listeners through kind of a day-to-day in your life. Yeah. 
I have a, I've got two great teams that report to me. One is a, a strategy and development team. And that team's thinking about how do you maximizing our existing portfolio of events, all-star finals, draft, combine, our global games around the world. Um, as a league, we operate thousands of events. Um, almost every single day we're operating something. And so that, that team is focused. How do you maximize? And then how do we create net new um, to that point of not standing still? And so in the past year alone, we've launched businesses like MBA Experiences, our premium experiential business. MBA Con, our version of Comic Con, um, to be able to give some new global scale to our event portfolio, and then I also happen to to manage a event management team, and that's a team of GMs who are thinking about how do they grow their event portfolio. And so what I spend my day on is toggling between the two, the very very tiny details necessary to put on events of this scale, and then code switching to thinking about how do we deliver new strategic initiatives. How are we making sure? our events are driving the growth of our business moving forward. And so I kind of feel like it's chameleon each meeting after, you know, you have to, you have to think differently. You've got to change. But to me, I've always loved since I started uh, at a startup prior to, to coming, I, I've loved that pace, that energy, um, that, that thought that you had to be something different in each meeting you went to throughout the day. No, absolutely. enjoy. you've now been at the NBA for, for five years now and you've held four different roles. You know, first, We'll, we'll get into your career prior, which was in law, but what ultimately led you down the path to get into that sports business? Yeah, well, when I when I came to the NBA, I wasn't thinking about professional sports as sort of a, an end goal, but I saw um, and was having a conversation with my boss now, Kelly Flato, who is somebody I I adore in the in, in the in the sports world and in sort of life in general. Um, but I was talking to her, and we were we were discussing, you know, in a, in a quick conversation around that the NBA was going through this direct to consumer uh, transformation that the league and its digital properties needed to look different, that people were consuming our games in a very different fashion. But if we were going to do that, we had to have content beyond just um, this digital, this digital ways to which I watch your game. We had to be more than just a content company that to me experiences needed to be a big part of that. And so we were thinking about changing our business I felt like to be able to be at the precipice of a great change um, is really something you don't get to be a part of very often. Uh, a company has established more than 75 years of history at the NBA, but you get to be in the forefront of this transformative moment. Uh, that to me is what brought me to the NBA, was the ability to be able to create and be a part of where the NBA was going, not the success it's had, certainly in the past. Um, and I've been fortunate since I've been here to be at the at the forefront of those of those things. My fourth day here at the NBA. I was in Mumbai, India, as we brought our first games um, to, uh, to to India, the first professional sports league to do that. Um, I was uh, obviously on the forefront of the NBA bubble as we thought about how do we bring back the league from the from the pandemic and then launching net new businesses over the over the past couple of years. I think it has hit on every level. Um, I, I couldn't have imagined a better start to my career at the NBA. Absolutely. And Joey, on your end, you've held four different roles in those five years. From a, your own career, and what do you feel like you've done on such a consistent basis to continue to get promoted there internally? I think you look at it and say um, that you've got to continue to, to to run towards towards opportunities um, and to be somebody who people feel like can get things done. Um, that that becomes such a hallmark uh, of your career. I've often felt, and I think this goes back to my my days as a lawyer. Um, to be able to produce polished written work product thing that people can say, wow, that's somebody who, who can produce at a high level um, and isn't afraid of, of taking on big challenges. I think those that's a pretty powerful combination. And the people who I've certainly respected can always still produce 
Um, you know, as we get into more management and leadership roles, your job often is now to get and help others do that. But ultimately, um, if, if they had to still take, the, you know, take the bat, like they could still do it. And I've always felt like that has been a big hallmark of my career is that I wanted to be able to know I could do every job up and down the ladder of the people I work alongside and work with um, to be able to be successful. And so I, I look at my career that way and um, still want to make sure I can always produce at a really high level. No, absolutely. And you certainly have done that. And, you know, Joey, for your end, back to the beginning, you go, you, you grow up and you attend Georgetown University. You actually played collegiate baseball. How did playing collegiately help you prepare you, help prepare you for the real world? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, baseball breaks your heart, man. <laughs> I think it's a game literally designed to break your heart. It begins in the spring when sort of everything is blossoming and it ends in the fall when, when winter's coming. Um, obviously you fail more in baseball than you succeed. And, and to me, the game has taught me so much, but it, nothing more than fair, failure fuel fuels greatness. I, I have to my day, I catalog every single failure I have. I think about them. I touch them. I don't, I don't run from the failures that I have. Um, and to me, it's led me to this very optimistic mindset. And I think people misdefine optimism very often they think about it as this sort of blind positivity that i wake up with like this big smile on my face and i don't i'm i'm fairly realistic in many fashions but i believe optimism is just about hope and hope that tomorrow can be better than today and and i've often thought you know at baseball going over four sometimes going over 40 um you had to be you had to be wildly optimistic Yep. to play that game. And so I think that's the lesson that I carry over when I think about work is I always believe I have the power to make tomorrow better than today. Absolutely. Love it. Great advice there. You Joey, for your end, po- post your degree there at Georgetown, you go on to receive your public law degree from the University of Galway, and then your doctor of law from Georgetown University Law Center. What did you think you wanted to do career-wise? Yeah, I worked at Jones Day after I I, um, I graduated from, from law school, and, and I loved it. I loved um, the ability to be able to work. I loved how you were tested. I loved the mental um, strain that that profession put on you, that you were you were literally expected to compete and produce work product at the highest level. And so I often tell young employees um, when they ask me, or you know, where should I start my career? And I really think white shoe law firms, high finance and, and the best consulting agencies, they teach you how to produce polished work product. And for the rest of your career, um, if you can do that, you will always be valued for your ability to be able to take something that had not ever existed in the world and walk away with a piece of paper that others can look at, touch, it's there forever. Um, those who can do that to me are, are colleagues I, I really value. So I look at it and say, that was a great start to my career. Um, but it's certainly never where I thought I would end up randomly. Um, when I was in law school, people would joke and there were, you know, everyone was thinking about the highest careers in the law and people would ask me, what did I want to do in the law? And I would joke around and say, well, I've always wanted to be Judge Judy. Um, <laughs> I, I thought I would be great on the people's court. I still Judge think Joey. I love it. I, yeah, Judge Joe Graz. Um, <laughs> I think I still think I would be great on the people's court. I, I spend my time at the NBA doing some morning shows and, and oftentimes, and I'm, I'm still waiting to be discovered, Travis, but I think it yeah. could happen. Absolutely. Well, you're early on in your career, you mentioned you've worked for a variety of places in the legal services end. And regardless of industry, what's your advice and a key learning early on that you still apply to your every day? Yeah. When you think about innovation, I think, you know, you've got to be able to see what everyone has seen and then think something that no one else has thought. And 
that doesn't that comes around to me because of just wild persistence and consistency. Um, I, I believe in in you know in working long hours every single day, and I believe in working every day, and, and not because of some wild um, you know masochism to the to the craft, but it's this thought of like just being in it. Yep. Um, and being in it until, you know, my, my wife and I, we go for walks on the weekend and she, I often disappear in my mind and she has to re- like reel me back in, <laughs> but in large part, it's because these different variables and places are the way I think you think about your great thoughts. Yeah. Um, and, and then the other part for me is like people, people matter so much. Um, and the best thing that you can do for a players is surround them with other a players. Yep. And so I, I've thought about that. And I think about that a lot because I think they, they lead to each other. They push people forward. Um, and that's certainly been the testament. I I have been made better by the colleagues I work alongside. You're right. Prior to to joining the NBA, you you went on to work for the head first companies as COO and general counsel for five years. And the head first company's mission was really to inspire the personal best and high potential young people. And kind of going back to your advice right there, it all starts with people. How was that overall experience for you? I mean, it was incredible. It was where I got my you know first taste of of business. I um I joined a company that was going through a bet the company litigation. We were on the cover of the Washington post. Uh, my first day at, at the NBA, it was a sort of a wild dove, you know, career path. I, one day was working, I had a, you know, an assistant in an office. And the next day I'm basically working out of a card table on a startup um, and thinking about uh, how we're going to change this. And then over the course of five years, I took a company down from, you know, we had employee 20, we brought it down to almost employee one and we built it back up to where we had thousands of employees. By the time I left operating in, in more than 17 states, it was a crazy growth story. But ultimately, to me, it came down to this idea of passion. I want to be around in, in industries, and I think sports is one of them. But we were in this education space where we got to work with, with people's kids. Um, and to me, I, we had a big sign on the walls, like our version of um, the Notre Dame play like a champion. I had a sign when everybody walked in and it said, we are privileged to work with every parent's greatest treasure. Um, that's to me, passion. There was nothing people were more passionate about than their kids. And so to be able to be in that environment w- was really great and build a company alongside people. I cared. I almost for years hired everybody, um, built a team, built this incredible culture. And it was really around a culture of creative friction, um, that you've got to be able to have a space where you allow for competing ideas. Um, and I've always felt like you shouldn't be unsettled or unnerved when somebody doesn't agree with you. It's an incredible opportunity to be there convince them of your side or to get better yourself. And so we had this incredible environment of this culture at, at, at Head First where everybody could bring forward an idea. And I think that led to a place where we got better as a company every single day. We viewed our company like a muscle. And uh, the more we put in work, the better we got. And so I felt like our company, the best day that I was at Head First was my last day. That to me is, is a really crazy story about the growth of a company is Almost every single day we got better. And by far and away, the company was the strongest it had ever been my last day at the company. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Joey Graziano, SVP and Head of Global Event Strategy and Development at the NBA. Joey, let's get into three hot topics. You know, question one, back to the NBA in-season tournament. This was officially announced on July 8th, which gives you and your team only five months to execute at a high level. You previously mentioned it's been in the planning stages for a couple of years, but what's your advice on prioritizing and then finding a way to execute? Yeah, I think it starts with understanding what are the two or three things that are going to make or break um, this opportunity. And, and so often I think we get, we get bogged down by every detail. And, and I think, you know, you've got to be willing to master all of the details. You have to be willing to get into the, into, into the tiniest of opportunities, but ultimately when things are deemed successful or not, it comes down to two or three um, big factors. And for us, I think around the in-season tournament, it was getting our players to understand this competitive format. And so the focus was on, on the court. Um, and, you know, you've seen that right now. This is about legacy for our players. This is about winning a first championship. And when in life, it's certainly a business and a league as established as the NBA. Do you get to be able to do the first of anything? And this is going to be the first ever. I've been saying on shows, this is a Jeopardy question 50 years from now. Who yeah. won the first ever in-season tournament? We've seen that with our with our players the second piece is we wanted everyone to know there was different when you were watching an in-season tournament game so something as simple and commissioner silver was adamant around the courts had to look different different yep. uniforms had to be different why not because it was some obsession with with courts or the creative design but it was that that's the quickest way when you turn the channel to know this isn't just a regular season game and i give adam a, a, so much credit for his ability to be able to decipher the things that are going to be the dramatic needle movers for us. And, and I think it was about the players and the competitive and putting our players in a new competitive format and then giving our fans a reason to believe that we took it serious, that this was different than every other game. Absolutely. And Joey, question two, you know, the NBA, we talked about earlier, has been long been known for innovation. And so what do you feel like is next from an innovative either event or opportunity? Since the pandemic, I think if it's taught us anything, it, it's a completely irrational decision to ever get off the couch. Yep. Um, and, and we work in an irrational decision business. You work in an irrational decision business, Travis. You're trying to get people to get off their couch and attend live events and to right. be able to do that in a frictionless fashion. Um, and when we're thinking about that, um, I think it starts with people are going to do less moving forward, but what they want to do with more intensity. And our game is built for that intensity. Um, on the court, I mean, there's still, in my opinion, nothing better than the courtside seat because of the intensity of that environment. The things you hear, the sounds, the smells, the connection that you get to see with the players, the athleticism that just blows you away. That's why I think the courtside seat is 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 unrivaled across all of sports in terms of an opportunity to be able to see something. And the thought of how do you scale something like that? How do you deliver more personalization and customization so that fans around the world can get that type of experience? Um, is certainly where I think a number of innovations 
are going to go. Uh, and then I think it's as a league, we are as authentic and dynamic off the court as we are on the court. Um, You know, our players are entrepreneurs, they're artists, they're social justice advocates, they're investors. And when we thought about launching something like NBA Con, it was to be able to give our fans an opportunity to interact with those dynamic interests and to be able to take part in them. And so I think the combination of those two is what's going to be special. People want more insights. They want more access. Um, And I think our innovation is going to continue to to be in, in this in this area. And finally, question three, you are one and have worked with many top executives. What are the key characteristics that stand out in all the top executives you've come across? To me, it's uh, it's simple. The best leaders are able to take complex problems and simplify them for their audience. I think it's one test. Yep. Every great leader I've ever worked with has been able to do that. Um, we all work in really complex fields. We all have to think about a lot of things. But leaders who are able to, to make that simple so that the people they work alongside understand how to progress moving forward, that's the that's the test of leadership. Um, and I think about it a lot when I when um, I think about how we shut down the NBA prior to the pandemic. And, and again, it's a place where I give Commissioner Silver so much credit, because if you think about how wildly complex that is and how many conversations that should require, go to the conversations with the Players Association, with the players themselves, um, with our board of governors with uh, team leadership, the amount of people that work with us, our broadcast partners around the world. Yep. And it was simplified to a very simple test. If a player tests positive for the coronavirus, the league's shutting down. Um, and that to me was one of the greatest examples of leadership I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. Joey, ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey. To close it out, I'd like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Let's talk, baby. If you had to eat, one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? <laughs> um, mussels fra diablo for, for my appetizer, uh, eggplant, uh, and and uh, veal parmesan for my main course, maybe a little rigatoni, and then some ice cream for dessert. Love it. What's the last thing you completed on your bucket list? Uh, I went to the Army Navy football game. If you, if you have not gone to the Army Navy football game, just a, a, a constant reminder of patri- patriotism and sacrifice. Um, it is an incredible environment um, where sports is the least important thing happening. If you hosted a talk show, who would be your first guest? Probably somebody like John Stewart. Um, I think leaders have to be deeply committed to continuing to learn. So I'd want to be alongside one of the best um, interviewers of all time, someone who's one of the best talk show hosts of all time. So I feel like I just want to start with me trying to get better at the craft. And finally, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Um, my dad had a, a simple test in our, in our, my dad was a New York City fireman. Um, he was a fireman in 9-11. And we had a very simple test in our house, which was if your neighbor's house is on fire, run towards the fire. Um, that was what it meant for him to be a person of substance and somebody for others. So that's one. Um, two would be, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. Um, I don't believe in doing things, checking boxes. I think if you're going to do it, jump in, make this, make this big, take this on with all of your energy and passion, be excited about it. And then number three, I fundamentally believe that most obstacles are imaginary. Um, the rest only temporary. And to be able to um, look at resistance, we're all going to face, we all do face adversity in our lives. And to be able to have that type of, of growth mindset as you approach those, those obstacles, that will certainly define um, your career success. 
Joe, I love it. Certainly appreciate all the advice. Certainly looking forward to the in-season tournament. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure talking to you, and I appreciate your time and expertise. No, thanks for having me, man. I, I look forward to the next time. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.